Warning, the following episode contains adult language and screaming goats. Listener discretion is advised. The Pinball Network is online. Launching The Pinball Show. Pinball is a game of skill. For some, it's a passion and a lifestyle. It's time for The Pinball Show. It's pinball with personality. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a little podcast we like to call The Pinball Show. We're in episode 36, and we are your hosts, Zach Minnie and Dennis Creasel from the Eclectic Gamers Podcast. How's it going, Dennis? It's going good. We're finally back to Central Standard Time. Oh, I'm still so confused. So we're everybody's uh, together? Yep. We're all unified for a little while. Until when? Until daylight savings time. Shit. Happy Monday, happy November, everybody. Do you like November, generally speaking? Yeah, sure. Are you a Thanksgiving kind of fella? I like food, so yeah. Ooh. You have a very traditional, we'll get into this more as the month uh, continues, but do you have a very traditional type of, of food collection that you eat for Thanksgiving? I suppose, yeah, yeah, it falls in the pretty stereotypical categories. Okay, mine as well. Maybe we'll do a... Uh, like an Orby top three favorite Thanksgiving dishes at some point. Hmm. Yeah, think, that sounds very pinball-y. I think uh, dressing is very underrated, personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You probably like those candy yams. Ugh. No, I don't eat those. You Do you not? No. Nope. Finally, we agree on something. I saw you go Wait. against my pumpkin choice in the pumpkin contest on Facebook by Chris Grossman there. Oh, yeah, well, you, of course, went with the predictable, oh, I like the steam choice. Look, I tried to convince myself to go with the Exorcist, but I just thought the quality and the shading and stuff, the depth of those cuts on that pumpkin for Beetlejuice, thought they were there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were both well done, but I, I disagree. I think that the Exorcist uh, carving showed superior knife skill. Ooh. It was a tough call. I don't know who ended up winning. Perhaps we are all winners. Are we? I don't know. We'll How many in. people got tattoos? We did have a couple people that have voiced strong interest in winning that free Stern Pinball Star Wars limited edition topper by tattooing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we need to talk to Ray Day. But uh, yeah, a couple people have voiced a lot of interest. And the more serious interest they evoke the more you are nervous and neurotic and troubled by this whole thing. Well, I just think it's pretty tacky. <laughs> Nothing screams tacky like Zach's contests, right? This one. Not all your contests are bad, but this one is pretty stupid. Yeah, a lot of people are interested, so we'll see. Well, they say. I mean, you'd have had more interest if you let them have their choice of a stern pro. I guarantee you'd get tattoos then. Hey, baby steps. Dennis, baby steps. We'll get there. Top $750 topper is a big step. <laughs> yeah, but they know how much those things cost to make, so. They still cost a lot for us to buy as dealers. They don't care. Speaking of interest and body parts and flatulence, you appeared on a podcast as a guest this last week. I appear on a lot of things. I don't know why I do. <laughs> why is that? I don't know. I just, you know, we were, we were both on loser kids a few weeks ago Mm -hmm. and I'm just like, I don't know why people want to hear more from me on anything, quite frankly. (laughs) 
The Slam Tilt Podcast did their Cluster Vuck third third episode yep, of the Cluster Vuck. Third one, yeah. I don't think I was involved with their first one. Season of the Witch, I believe, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, that's a Halloween 3 reference. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a lot of people on there. There was. Uh, Mr. Christopher Franchi yeah. and uh, Dr. Christian Penn from yep, the, the Super Awesome Pinball Show was on. Saps Scott and Josh from The there. Loser Kids were on. Yeah. Uh, Steph from uh, Riptide was on. Yeah. Mrs. Penn from Mrs. Penn's Pinball Podcast was on. The more, Zach, yeah. Slam Tilt Zach was on. Say the more technical flat Zach in pinball was on. He's very smart, he's, I can tell. He's very technical, more so than myself. He's very uh, emotions a bit flatter than myself. Well, he may just not choose to convey the emotion on podcast. Oh, I see. So he's I wouldn't. A, I would not presume that someone's podcast persona necessitates that. <laughs> that's how they act in in a normal interaction. Either. I'm going to go out on a limb and say he's kind of like that in real life. Never met the guy. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I think he's probably funnier than you. Oh, <gasps> you take that back. No, I won't. <laughs> no takes these backs. Well, guess what? It uh, it's on. You hear that, Zach Edge? I know it's AJ. See, that's a joke because I'm fucking funny. Comedy showdown. Yeah, mono I'm sure all the mono. listeners are just they're crashing the curbs right now, laughing hysterically at your great joke. I could say I wasn't laughing too much listening to that podcast. But I d- where's my well, invite? We talked a lot of serious topics. We talked about those CPR. Uh, oh, yeah, the, <laughs> the kit conversion oh, kits. Ugh. Maybe I'll get invited one day. Maybe just one day. No, I doubt. Maybe. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I don't know. When are you going to have Bruce on? I figure Bruce can come on next time you're on vacation or something like that. Yeah, well, that Bruce might be on, December then. But man, that guy, Bruce, you are as wrong as you are right on that show. Whew. He's been batting about a 50-50 there. Yeah, I could, I could see that. I actually disagree a lot with Bruce's game opinions. I'm much, much, much more aligned with Ron's thinking on I think pinball, Bruce so. disagrees with his own opinions at times. That does happen. Sure. It has been confirmed. We have the science to show it. Yeah, hashtag bad girls. All right, Dennis, let's talk about some pinball news, but the best way to do that is to kick it over to our correspondents to see what they have dug up. Wow, I hope they had good shovels. (laughs) Oh, side note, listener, um, at the end of the show, we I like the sound effect. We had... That was my shovel. uh, Dr. John... Digging the grave. (laughs) He was kind enough to do a interview with Damien at Haggis Pinball, and we're going to put that at the end of the episode. So if you would like a, a deeper dive into what's going on at Haggis Pinball, tune in at the end of the show for that. Thanks again, Dr. John. It's time for TPN Industry News. Yes, the waiting is the hardest part. And more new code for Jurassic Park. Hey everyone, Craig here again, the Pinball Show's Stern News Correspondent. Waiting for your new Stern Pinball Machine? Well, you're not alone as Stern continues to set their own internal sales records these days with recent releases of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and the Avengers Infinity Quest leading the charge. Courtesy of WGN 720 Radio in Chicago, Gary Stern himself recently commented that the recent boom in home entertainment type purchases has meant a sharp upward spike for pinball sales as well. In fact, Gary commented that business was so good that Stern has a current backlog of over 5,000 games whose eager owners are chomping at the bit for them to be built. Hoping for your new Avengers Infinity Quest Premium or Pro before Christmas? 
Well, with the October run now completed, the last run of this exciting title in 2020 will now be happening in December, meaning many early buyers will have to be patient and wait for a happy new year in 2021 until they see their shiny new toys. And just when you thought it was safe to put away your USB stick for a while, new code V1.03 has dropped for Jurassic Park. This new code update includes Stern's DJ Mixer mode, additional polish, game adjustments, system updates, and bug fixes. That's all for this week. For The Pinball Show, I'm Craig Bobby. Catch you on the flip side. Hi, this is Ken Rudberg with your Jersey Jack update. While there has been an overwhelmingly positive response to Jersey Jack's new Guns N' Roses release, a couple of issues have recently cropped up. Playfield issues are rearing their ugly head, and some owners are experiencing clear coat pooling under playfield posts, and some are concerned about the longevity of their playfields. So far, this seems to be limited to a small number of playfields, but some owners are saying that their games are being shipped with washers under the posts from the factory. We'll no doubt hear more about the extent of this issue in the upcoming weeks. Slash's involvement with the Guns N' Roses release has ensured that this pin has had a particularly high profile. The spotlight on pinball has not burned as bright for a long time, and this is reflected in the number of media articles that have recently been released talking about the game. On October 27th, Forbes released an online article about the release of the new machine. They talked to Slash, the game's designer Eric Menier, and Jersey Jack co-owners Brett and Leonard Abbas. It's a good read with an interesting comment from Slash. He said, quote, The reason that I wanted to work with Jersey Jack is because they make really great, very unique, and special pinball machines. Each one they do is a real event. It's not like they're just churning them out, you know? Unquote. Is this Slash throwing a little shade Stern's way? Hard to tell, but I don't think Slash has ever been afraid to speak his mind. For The Pinball Show, this has been Ken Rudberg with your Jersey Jack update. Hey, this is Kaz with an American Pinball update. American Pinball is sponsoring the Hot Wheels Legends Tour. And the Legends Tour is a great opportunity to introduce the pinball machine to a whole new Hot Wheels collector audience. There's going to be a sweepstakes to give away a Hot Wheels machine. And the final details are being worked on, but the sweepstakes will run Sunday, November 8th until the grand finale on November 14th. Also, there's been a lot of talk with playfield issues, but American Pinball has no reported playfield issues right now. Look for additional info on the American Pinball Facebook page. Hope everyone has a great week, has fun playing pinball. For the Pinball Show, this is Brian Cosner. Hey, Matt Morrison here with your Chicago Gaming Company update for the week. Christopher Franchi, co-host of the Super Awesome Pinball Show and Pinball Art Extraordinaire, said we should see the next CGC game before the end of the year. With GNR and Avengers and most new inbox pinball machines on back order, CGC could sneak in and steal some new inbox pinball dollars. Chris also squashed the rumor that Theater of Magic was the next remake. Most signs still point to Cactus Canyon with enhanced code, topper, updated display, and the rest of the CGC enhancements. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this week. Back to you guys. Well, you know what I always say, unless you always say it, mm-hmm. and that is, it's always great to hear from the correspondent sack. Well, sometimes it is. It always is. It always is. We love each and every one of them. Do you? No. The slow-mo guys. What do you know about the slow-mo guys? 
I was, uh, I don't follow their channel, but I was familiar with it as many people are familiar with it because they have almost, I believe, 14 million subscribers. It is a YouTube channel dedicated to showing how things function in very, very slow motion. Wow. What a synopsis. It's almost like you're a podcaster. The slow motion. I was trained. I, I was trained by the best, who? not you. Dawn? My size self trained. Self trained. I, I was tooting my own horn. <laughs> Toot, toot. Um, the slow mo guys is a huge, huge, huge influencer mm-hmm. uh, and and video based group that yeah, Dennis said it the best. They got yep. their hands on a Willy Wonka pinball machine by Jersey Jack Pinball. Yeah, provided by the company. So kudos to Jersey Jack for reaching out of the pinball bubble mm-hmm. into some real influencers. I I do know uh, that the idea was originated. It was pitched. It was all coordinated by new employee Ken Cromwell. That was one of his big things. I remember just him being a friend of ours when I was speaking with him when he got the gig. He told me, hey, I'm reaching out to these guys. Have you ever seen their videos? I think this would be really cool. So nicely, nicely done there. Ken's doing it. Might get that employee of the year award if he keeps this up. Might get a bonus if it sells them more pinball machines. I wanted to play Willy Wonka after seeing the video. Did you want to play it in slow motion? It actually made me want one of those little ant eater video cameras. Mm. That, yeah, that is cool, isn't it? Uh, oh. I love the shots underneath the play field showing the the mechanics. Yeah, there's no. Even though flicker. I know how all that stuff works, because as you know, many people in pinball mm-hmm. you know, understand what, how solenoid functions and stuff. It's just really cool to see it, like the breakdown about how quickly the pop bumpers are actually working, oh, yeah. and you're seeing it go in slow motion. I don't. I just think it was cool. It can hit and go back and forth eight times in one second, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Now you said we know how they function, how they work. That is true, but. I don't think there's any argument, Dennis, that we have gained a huge, a much bigger understanding of these mechanisms by seeing it in this way. And I think that probably 99%, if not 100% of people in this industry have never been able to see mechanisms function in this manner. Yeah, that's probably true. I mean, there's obviously a big leap between understanding that solenoid is working with magnetism and it makes something move and then actually seeing how that truly interacts in real time with the ball Mm -hmm. in a way that you can. Well, you know, I I think kind of where you're going with this is, for example, some of seeing how the ball interacts with the flipper, for example, and how that actually Mm -hmm. how often perhaps the ball is being touched by the flipper. Yeah, to the naked eye. Otherwise, these engineers and designers are relying solely upon the naked eye, but I think so much information was given in that one video that's easily going to hit millions of views, by the way. Uh, There's so much information in there that I think, and I did confirm with Jersey Jack Pinball, they said seeing it in that way actually did help them. They're now able to go back and look and maybe even tweak some of the procedures and methods that they use when designing pinball machines. That, That was surprising to me. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know how easy it will be necessarily to make modifications, but knowledge is power after all. Well, and I've seen, I know that when some people are tuning in their game, you see this on Pinside a lot, especially over the last couple of years, Dennis, where some things isn't working right or the shot's not working right. And I know Chuck Wirt uh, with TPN and Straight Down the Middle, he's been a big proponent of this. And he taught me to do it. He was like, just if it doesn't seem right or something's off, put your slow motion uh, cell phone cam hook that up and record some video and you'll be able to pinpoint uh, at, a, at a greater detail what is going on 
with that particular shot or mechanism that you're having trouble with. And this is taking that to a really deeper level. But it was just very much entertaining. One of the things that just stunned me, Dennis, was that damn flipper rubber. Mm. The host said that the flipper, I guess we'll call it a bat, the flipper bat actually hits the ball twice. I, I don't know if that's true. I think maybe that was just him and how he plays and flaps the the bats. But well, uh, given the speed of the solenoid, if uh, I don't think the I don't think most humans would be able to depress the button fast enough to stop a second hit. Does that make sense? I'd have to watch the segment again to see that. Part, yeah, I see what but, you're saying. Because it's moving at the speed that the electricity allows it mm-hmm. to move. The thing is, is that in a way it. I would say it's moot because both place hits on the ball are still moving in the same exact direction. So it's, just, it's the equivalent of one hit anyway. Uh, yeah, I could Does see that it. Sense to you? Yeah. I could see it. If it's hitting twice, maybe if the ball is, it's coming, the ball's coming at such a speed that it stops the bat mm-hmm. enough, but it doesn't have, it still overpowers the, the power in that coil and you get a small bounce from that rubber. And then when the, when the bat goes back to hit the ball, you get that second subsequent. Right. The, I think the issue is, and you can see it on some of the, on, on the flips in the, in the slow motion, but because of the force and the weight of the ball, the bat actually gives a little bit. It does. You're it seeing really on the shoe moves. and, and the coils trying to move it. So the, the bat pushes back a little bit just from the force of the ball. Then the ball gets flung. But remember the ball has some of the force from the flipper, but not all of it. Mm-hmm. The flipper bat should be moving faster than the ball. Yes. After that, so that's how it can touch it a second time. But the path is already set mm-hmm. because it, because of the speed of the of the ball's momentum from the flipper, and then the flipper's still moving, trying to move with the same force, the full power of the you know until it reaches the end of stroke. So hashtag physics, bitch, right? Yeah, it's just, it's a, it's it's interesting though. It's interesting to actually see it because in to the naked eye, you wouldn't detect that. But the rubber flares up on this, comes off of the bat. The, the host said you cannot see with the naked eye almost akin to a a drag race when you see it in slow motion Mm. the tires rippling that's what it reminded me of and i thought is there does it really do that why wouldn't it i mean you saw it i felt like those were like soggy rubbers or something oh are you wondering maybe of a different material like a a super band or silicon uh titan rubber might behave differently yeah i think that that's maybe why there's there's such a difference in feel between a rubber and like a tight super band. Like the Titans are a little bit different. So I'll put those right in the middle. It would be interesting to see a test with all three types. I'm sure they behave at least slightly different Mm -hmm. just because different materials, it's got to have a different ripple factor. But there's so much difference because like the, the GNR that I unboxed the LE there, I'm going to have to change those regular traditional flipper rubbers. They're too bouncy. Why? They're, They're just too bouncy and soft. Oh, it makes oh, the game. Is it, is it too hard? Oh. No, it just makes the game not as controllable as a Stern. And that's what I'm looking St- for. I thought Stern used regular flipper rubber. Like the only ones I remember, I, like Spooky, I know uses silicon. But... I don't like Spookies. I think they use the Pinball Life ones. And I love everybody mm. at Pinball Life. I love you guys. But they have got to change those damn flipper rubbers. Those things are high bounce. Super high bounce on those things. Mm. Um, yeah, I've used a pinball life for a few of my games oh, I've uh, worked on. Those are almost as bad as the as the super bands. I'm not a super bands fan either. Mm. But yeah, I don't. I don't ever use super bands. Titans where it's at for me. Too or many the, too many experiences with super bands on location. I didn't like how they played. Well, and I think that Stern utilizes a um, a black rubber 
which yes. is a very different feel than the red rubber. The different colors do seem to have different mm-hmm. uh, elasticity properties. Yeah, the red and ones I guess that's soft. been true historically too. Yeah, red ones are soft, black are a little bit thicker, but but red is seen as traditional. You know, yeah. if you're trying to go with her or that Bally Williams feel, you got to have red rubber or else you're cheating it. Yeah, but it, eh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Well, it's your game. You're allowed to. I mean, I change them. I don't, I don't stick with the red rubbers either, unless I want to. It's I, not. It the, all depends on my mood. It's not ideal to what the design of the game is going for. I don't think. But I think they probably, if, in, if anything, they designed their game with the rubbers that they put on it. I can see, I can definitely see that, but then it's just wrong. I don't, well, I don't know what else to say. It's just wrong. That's fine. But yeah, seeing that that rubber come up off of the flipper bat to that degree was astonishing. Also, the air balls, the air balls when hitting these stand up targets to the naked eye, sometimes it, it doesn't appear that the ball is going into the air that much, but Damn, when they filmed it down low, even if its trajectory is up in the air, just a a hair from a top-down view, when you're playing, you're not going to see that. And it was very surprising to see how often that ball went airborne. Yeah, I think a lot of people, you know, normally in a high-speed game, when do you notice air balls? When they go up enough to hit the glass. Yes. And then, you know, uh, my scientific brain was thinking about it more and more after watching the video, Dennis, and I was like, it totally makes sense. Think about baseball. It's all about the spin. It's all about the spin and the speed. So the spin and the speed goes when it makes contact, it's naturally going to try to continue going in that motion, thus pulling it up into the air. Yeah. Baseball does the same thing. But dimples. But dimples. We'll talk about that here. Uh, When Charlie from Spooky was interviewed, he talked about some of the clear coat issues. Mm. So overall, I'm just simply amazed that these machines even function after seeing this bullet fly around this piece of hard steel fly around everywhere at high speeds and very high impact these mechanisms to the naked eye dentist do not seem to move much they might have a little little dribble a little shake but man on the, when it you slow this game down you see metal bending and flexing like you have never seen before it is a physical game wow all right speaking of uh clear coat issues the super awesome pinball show they interviewed Spooky's Charlie. Mm-hmm. He was kind of on a potato mic. I didn't know what. I was like, Charlie has a podcast. How in the hell? Maybe he was in via phone. You know, sometimes. It was something. Sometimes that has to happen. KT was getting groceries in the background. It was hilarious because I was just thinking of Franchi as the editing audio guy, just probably cringing the whole time like, son of a. Nah, he'll just fix it in post. They initially did talk about TNA getting another run at some point. Uh, whether you call it a 2.0 or a vault, whatever it may be. I did not know, though. I did not know this. Charlie Emery talked about the possibility of actually some physical updates or tweaking to the game, which is common for Stern games when they vault them. But I just figured it'd be another run. I didn't think that they would go fine-tune it and continue fine-tuning it into production. Well, I mean, he did stress that it will be the identical layout. Correct. Nothing major. Right. Some fix. I mean, back when they were talking about this more free, and this was back when Alice Cooper was on the line Mm -hmm. and this was being discussed. I I found this really interesting because it has been my assumption, which like many of my assumptions is now proven wrong, that this idea had been abandoned Oh, uh, because of the, well, I just assumed that the plan was that they were going to do some, I knew there would be changes like maybe different art, uh, some, I think even back in the day, they'd noted that there would be some f- you know, physical corrections on mechs, things that could be improved a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 
my thought was that was all before they knew that Rick and Morty was going to be the Rick and Morty, you know, the, the yeah. big hit that it is. So I, because I don't know what the demand is. Cause one of the other things way back in the day when this was being discussed is that TNA 2.0 will not cost what TNA 1.0 did. It will be more money. Mm. And given that, I don't know how many more TNAs you sell with the identical gameplay. I think it run a hundred. I'm kind of at that point as well. I, but again, I don't, is it worth it? I don't, you know, I don't, I still don't know if that's really the answer or not, but clearly Charlie and, and Scott Denisi are having fun coming up with the concepts and stuff. Well, so. and they're, they're smart enough. We've seen it with how they launched and released Rick and Morty listener that they're smart enough that they know. And it's the fan club stuff. They know how to add just a little bit of jazz to those additional, uh, the additional run. If they do that, they know how to add to that so that the, the end buyer will want one of those newer. Oh, ones I'm sure. I'm sure they can sell some. It's just, I mean, the thing is, and I haven't priced them in a while, uh, but TNA sells for less used than it did new, which, mm-hmm. you know, would be normal. Yep. What you'd normally expect out of a pinball machine. But so I'm not clear if there's actually high demand for more TNAs out in the market. I mean, they did sell, remember uh, next to Rick and Morty, it's their most successful game ever with 550 units already. There are a lot of them. Yeah. I mean, for a spooky, there are a lot of them out there. There are a lot of them out there. And Charlie talked about how many go on location. Yeah, he mentioned about half were on location. And in fact, right after I got mine, we did end up with one on location. And ultimately, well, when I ordered mine, there weren't any in the Kansas City area, to my knowledge. Within a month, there were three. Mm. That is a lot. Well, we do. We love our single levels out here in the flyover country. Single. Well, well, that basically describes the topography of uh, Kansas, does it not? Single level. (laughs) Just joking, Topeka. Timeline-wise, I don't know how this works. That's part of my challenge. It's like, because they've got other, they're working on it. You know, we know that they've got, they're do, unveiling a new designer here coming Bunyip, up. Yeah, it's coming. And they, Charlie talked about April, May, June is what we're looking at. He's on target for the Rick and Morty's ending uh, at the beginning of the year. So April, May, June is when we'll see a new game. So where does this put, does this put a small run right before they start developing and shipping the new game? That in my mind would be the most logical place unless this is further out on the horizon and they plan to wedge this in after the next new game. They still got that CGC combo, you know, collaboration going. Right. But that won't take any of their production time. So I, to me, that's that's moot. That's not a part. That's that's not a factor. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I do know that they did a, I don't know if you've seen the slasher video that they did on their social media this week. I did not. It's spooky pinball. So they're going to have a cool, fun time with Halloween. They did a, sh- a short video that shows Charlie sweeping up in the, in the factory and then a killer coming in and trying to kill him. And the only thing he has to protect him is a play field. It, it was well done. It was kind of a poke and a, a troll towards some of the play field issues that people are having. Um, but he was having fun with it. I thought it was brave because they've had, I've had playfield clear code issues in the past as well. I think if I know Charlie and the gang up there, they would defer and say, well, no, we're, we weren't trying to do that. We're just having fun. We like slasher films and it just, they would downplay it. But I think, it, I think it was a little poke to others in the industry myself. You have to go hmm. and watch that. Well, you, you people in the pinball industry are always trying to look for slights wherever you can. So I'm not surprised you see a poke there. I'd like to think that the majority of human behavior is conducted either consciously or subconsciously for a reason. I just think that everybody thinks it 
consciously if they're not aware of it is nothing else is happening no ulterior reasons but uh there's a lot uh on the bottom of that iceberg there dennis hmm this sounds fascinating i'm sure we can talk about it someday like sex and mothers yes and cigars be proud of you on the super awesome pinball show they also spoke with charlie emery about the clear code issues that are facing this industry again and again and again now, he actually turned down the idea of this being a tight-ass manufacturer not buying good clear, which was good to hear. But Spooky Pinball's kind of figured it out to some degree with clear Yeah, I haven't heard about any recent issues. Uh, are you aware of any, like with Rick and Morty? No, I'm not aware of any. Then again, yeah. one could argue not a lot of games have gone out, so it's hard to know. But now, what, what are they? Do you know what they're loosely at, up to? Um, I can tell you real quick here. I mean, I also don't remember a bunch of, of playfield issues with Alice Cooper. So, I mean, they it was are, TNA where they had like a hundred of them that were bad. And that came up on the Cluster Vuck episode of Slam Tilt. Oh, Ron yeah. has one of the bad ones. I see. They are at, um, I was just informed that we need to pay for a couple of our customers with 320s and the 320 range. So usually that means a couple of weeks out once you pay. Yeah, So they're the almost halfway through the run. So they're not cheaping out on clear. That's nice. Yeah, he, he spoke to it being more of a process issue, which I, I'm i so ignorant with this. I can sure I can see that too. So um, something involving the application. Yes. Uh, he did go on to say, and I've, I've thought of this before, but it kind of confirms it whenever a manufacturer is doing or saying it. He said clear coat was, quote, very, very thin, end quote, on your older 90s games. Yes, yes, it was. And I've heard this come up uh, when the pooling started to show. Uh, some people noted, well, there's so much clear on mm-hmm. these now. It's so thick. And I've even heard that speculated about why people feel maybe they are noticing dimples more now. Yeah. Is there's clear to push in on the wood. I Again, I don't know if it makes it highlights it more or, or, or what, but I, I have heard reference before that. That this obsession with lots of clear on the playfields is part of the problem, or at least it's part of why people see problems easier. Yeah, and he talked about that. He said everybody wants, you know, 2020, everybody wants these really glossy glass-like surface, and you get that with a lot of clear, whereas the old 90s games were very, very thin. He even went on to say that that's a big reason that spooky pinball surfaces on their playfields may not look as shiny as others. So I think there, listener, he was alluding to they're using much thinner uh, coats of clear as well. Mm. Personally, I think that that's smart. There was not like a vote where people decided we must have thick clear. Yeah. I think that was just, it was like an appeasement strategy. And I'm not sure that there's really much, if it's, if it's actually related to why there are problems now, I think the idea of going back and doing very thin clear is the smart move. We've seen a change in Stern pinball. I did personally that uh, when they were having issues, oh, what was it? I think it was Jurassic Park. When they were having initial issues with Jurassic Park a year or so ago, they remember they rolled out pros. They were having uh, some issues around the post with the art. Then yep. they went to, uh, they waited for the premium LEs to get fixed. And then when those came out and uh, following that, when Elvira came out, the clear did look significantly different. I assumed it was thinner because you've seen in the um, in the screen printed playfield or the they weren't screen printed the the inkjet 
play field, you're seeing the clear level wise, you could feel where the different art patterns were different lines of the art. So it did look like it was, you know, a little bit, uh, less coded. So I know that there was a change now, whether they went back to that old process, I don't know, but there was a change at some point. So they're trying to figure it out. Yeah. And we talked about that last week. Boy, some podcasters are not happy, Dennis, with some of our discussion as well as other podcasters' discussions about clear coats. Oh. Well, yeah. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. I, that's what I've, uh, yeah. I, I Here's what I don't understand. You and I essentially said the same thing on last episode, but we will get emails and messages that says, I agree with Dennis. It's bullshit. I don't agree with Zach. He thinks this is totally fine. And I'm like, what? Wait, when did I say it was fine? I'm pretty, pretty sure if you quote me, I said it is complete bullshit and it is a defect. And so did Dennis. Yeah, but the different, I think there, the difference was, I also said that it is something that I'm considering when I think about buying a new game and you said you're still buying everything. Sorry. Fine. I'm considering it. Wait for it. Considered it and I'll still buy. Right. So you're not. You're not putting your, or well, actually you are, you're putting your money where your mouth is and it, and, and your mouth is saying this is concerning. But as you noted, it wasn't concerning enough for you not to want to buy and enjoy the game. Whereas mm-hmm. I, you know, thinking of it, it was like, well, if I end up wanting to get rid of the game, if I get one of the bad ones, how's that going to affect my resale? How's yeah. that going to, even if I could look past, uh, like I could look past uh, clear pooling pretty easily as a player, art shipping away would really bother me. Mm-hmm. But you know, I'm factoring in, I can only own so many games. Uh, do I want to take an extra $500 hit? Cause I, I lost the roulette wheel of clear. Ugh. The reset. I'm not made of money like you. I have to factor these Shit. things in. No, you're just thrifty. My, let's, I don't have a lineup of pure this. LEs. Yeah. Not that you couldn't never feel sorry for anyone who owns their own plane or who owns all LEs. Is that a general rule? A heuristic? Well, yes. I, st- I stole that from oh. Anthony Hopkins character in the edge. So, Words to live by. Is that the movie about the fucking bear? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> who, who references the edge? And, and further, I'm so pleased that you've seen it. That that's I'm so pleased reference. you've seen it. Oh, oh, man. We're perfect for one another. It's <laughs> my bear. It's going to get you because you own your own plane. He's going to get you. I wish I had. That's Jeff Teolis owns his own plane. No, he's getting his pilot's license. I think he said he was looking at buying a plane. I don't think he's bought one yet. That was hyperbole there, Jack. And <laughs> and in the context of the movie, it, it, by plane, they meant jet, not Cessna. That's true. <laughs> you know, both my uh, maternal grandparents flew planes. And they crashed them. Yep. I'm not laughing, listen. More I, than I once, that, I believe. Yes, yeah. But you said they were not great <laughs> Uh, clearly not they kept crashing their planes that's not normal i just picture your great grandfather with a handlebar mustache running off a cliff with one of those hang glider like planes like (laughs) the wright brothers yeah no i i don't think my great grandparents were plane people crashing harder than this clear coat oh mpi you ever heard of mpi nope the moving picture institute Mm, sounds like a think tank. I thought this was an interesting little nugget. MPI is set to produce a dramatic comedy based on the true story of pinball wizard Roger Sharp saving the industry. Dramatic comedy. That is an interesting approach. Sounds like drunk history. Have we not mm-hmm. done this enough? Uh, please send all hate mail to the pinball <laughs> network oh, yeah. at gmail.com. But, uh, you know, it's sort of like how people get tired you. of hearing the song Pinball Wizard. 
I am really tired of hearing about the shot that saved pinball. I really am. Even Roger's probably tired of it. Oh, I, I, I'm sure he probably politely rolls his eyes at this point. Like, yes, yes. You may kiss the ring. Story, though. <sighs> it really is such a good story. Anyway, the, the Moving Picture Institute, they're a legit, a legit group of filmmakers, guys. They've, they've won awards for their most recent short films. They're, they're producing and, uh, and creating a dramatic comedy, uh, dramcom for, for Roger Sharp's story. I think yeah, they, they ain't no Blair Witch. Oh, wait. They won awards, too. Yeah, they did. Okay. That was a They're basically a Blair Witch. Yeah. I hope it's not a shaky cam. I, I won't be able to watch because I get motion sick. It's going to be from the perspective of that grimacing gonna, guy to the right of Roger Sharp. <laughs> it's going to be from the perspective of the pop bumper. That's right. In slow-mo. <gasps> Love the slow-mo. That's right. In slow-mo. It's gonna, this is, is going to oh. be a very like avant-garde thing going on. <laughs> Not much more information on that. I just thought it was uh, pretty cool. I'm the pop bumper. Don't hit me, Raj. Don't hit me. Dromcom. Ah! Different type of uh, Alvin Jones. Starring there. Poppy, the pop bumper. Poppy, the pop bumper. <laughs> that sounds like a t-shirt idea. Thank you. I'm still I'm working on those. I'm just a pop sitting on top of a play field. I'm just a pop. Just a sitting on top. Poppy, the pop bumper. I can't wait to see this. I'm really excited what about, now. What about Flippy the Flipper? He flips you off. Yeah, he's kind of Flippy crazy. Like be the, is the antagonist in this Raphael. coming of, coming of age tale. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, the evil ramp, Mister Ramp. No, no, there weren't any ramps on that. I know that's on why he's evil he, on the game. He's he did from the, the future. <laughs> we we got to go back, Flippy, back <laughs> to the future. Speaking of flipping, yeah, flipping. I was going to ask you, Zach. Can you tell me what's going on with the GNRs? So we got a minuscule update, or I did. I don't know if other dealers did. They probably know it all, being hated on. It sounds like we're getting more GNR LEs by the month's end of November, beginning of December. And I, a few. All dealers probably are just getting a few. A few, that sounds like single digits. I would, yes, I would guess to say single digits. Okay. So, so just so people understand, because I, I, I'm sure you've got a lot, a lot of people that are waiting. That only five times a day I'm asked. That's okay. All. Well, then perhaps for those that are listening on the show, knowing that end of the month, start of December, few LEs are going to come out. That's not all of you are probably LE going to be satisfied. Yeah. A, not a lot of you. Not a lot of you are probably going to get your game. Just at that point, you don't yep. have to wait longer. Temper your expectations, curb your Yeah, there, that's the word, temper, yeah. Yeah, I was a little frustrated, but there's nothing I can do. I guess nothing they can do. Yeah. Uh, all all then, you can do is, is temper. Yeah. Conan, tell I me the secret of temper. steel. And then they said that they're going to do a teensy-tiny-eensy-weensy little run of standards, I believe, and then they'll move on and focus on the collector's editions. It feels like this is a complete guess. Complete guest listener, but it feels like we're going to start seeing CEs the beginning of the year, January. How how patient do you think people will be? Because it's a pretty game and people want it. With this title, I think I think they'll be fine. I think people will wait. They'll they'll be frustrated, but I, uh, I do. We'll, believe we'll have to see once wait. Led Zeppelin drops. Yeah, I'm hearing more about that rumor title as well. But uh, like we said before, it's going to take a long time for Stern to catch up 
to this type of music pen. It just is. I agree. I completely agree. The only issue is, as we know, pinball is a, is a fickle hobby. Yes, People don't like to wait ad nauseum to receive something that they put money down for. And sometimes they might bail and say, I'd rather get the less shiny, mm-hmm. newer game because they can always go back later and get the game that they passed up on. Listener, would you purchase the following t-shirt if it just simply said, had a quote by Dennis Greasel that said, Pinball is a fickle beast. I think they would, Dennis. Uh, I, I, you might hit like ten sales at most. Yeah, it's better than some of these. Shows I think most people know that. I think most people know that pinball <laughs> pinball people are really fickle. Uh, pinball people are really fickle. That's a good. Yeah, quote just too. I mean bro- broadly. I mean buying, flipping. You know, it's just it's a. Uh, there's a lot of transition. Like I don't get the sense that people who collect cars turn through cars the way pinball people no. turn through pins. No. That's true. Yeah, well, that's a really good point. Actually. But the fickleness isn't just about game acquisition. It also reflects on the willingness to forgive, you know, the John Papadukes of the world or uh, yeah. looking and wanting uh, Pinball Brothers to come out mm-hmm. and, and bring back Alien and kind of forgetting about all those that didn't get what they paid for. You know, that, that fickleness is, is no sort of rampant. here. Yeah. Sure. I, and now, every damn, see, why did you make me... Uh, personify. Make you do anything. Why did you make me personify Playfield Mechs? Now I'm thinking of I'm thinking of Fickle the Pickle. Like, damn it, pickles aren't normally on Playfield, so I'm Pickle Fickle. Yeah, you know me from a hit cartoon, Rock and Margie. There's not much been going on. <laughs> There's not much been going on with Stern Pinball. They had a code update for Jurassic Park 1.03, just a cleanup. But there was some stuff going on with Haggis Pinball as Haggis, as Melbourne Silverball and Marty Robbins. Zach, over do you there. know how to let the air out of a on? <laughs> oh, R.I.P. Sean Connery. That's not a Connery quote. I that don't was, care. Uh, but that was Scottish a Liam Neeson quote. But whatever. Irish. He's something. He was. Rest in peace. That was our moment of silence for Sean Connery. <laughs> yes. The moment where you called him Irish. What was he, Squash? Yes. I don't know what he was. Yeah. Uh, Melbourne Silverball streamed the first production, Celts. It was a fun stream. Very nice. I like the crew over there. This past Friday, they did that. Um, so if you want to take a closer look at the game, the rules, etc., uh, tune in to the VOD for that. But uh, one of the things I took away is that they know how to make a lockdown bar. Mm. Dennis, did you see that beautiful porn of a lockdown bar they showed? No, I did not see the stream, I'm afraid. Full disclosure here. Gave me an erection. No one wants your disclosure. About my erections? Or about my disclosure? I think both. No. Why not both? That's fair. It's not like I'm telling you the size of it or anything, but it was it was full on for this embedded. They had a raised logo of Haggis built into their molded into their lockdown bars. Again, it was kind of just a smile that I had where I'm like, this little Australian company may have perfected playfield surfaces and now can just make willy-nilly some lockdown bar, a uh, custom lockdown bar that has rounded edges. Wow, they might be able to get an extra $600 for that. Somebody said, but where's the pin bar? And Damon, Damien, he's like Charlie. You don't, you're not going to get a little poke from them, but he did poke and said, well, if I would have put down the pin bar in there, then I I wouldn't have been able to round the corners of the lockdown bar. Ouch. Ouch. People say that that doesn't actually hurt. What's that? 
Some people who had hands-on experience. It with doesn't matter bar. if it hurts. It's uncomfortable. There's a standard. It's it uncomfortable. It's not the pain bar. Don't judge it. Yeah. Let's make a fucking basketball square. <laughs> it's a standard. Now, that would be a sight to see. Like, do you have spikes basketball. on your steering wheel? No, it's a standard. Smooth. But the lockdown bar, yeah, this this uh, this rise logo, raised logo. They had even what they're calling a gurple or something, where it's like a chameleon color. You can choose all these different colors. To me, what I'm taking away is still this. This is a strong take, and I'm going to get some hate mail. But Haggis Pinball, to me, Dennis, is closer to understanding and getting right a boutique manufacturing business in pinball than multimorphic pinball. Hmm. That is a pretty strong take. Yeah, I agree. Because the, the things that they are doing that are innovative, they just really make sense. The aesthetics, the choices, the options, the playfield surfaces, all of this stuff really leads to some of the innovation that we want to see and we want to see right now. Minus the theme that they've got. I get that. But some of the, the interior lighting, they did that before, you know, a lot of people... So, right. But Multimorphic's taking a very different approach on innovation. I think Haggis is going to be able to sell games better. And that's that's craziness. Because there's well, not a tenth of the innovation in a Haggis pinball. Yeah, but, but, well, but it's not all about, as I think Multimorphic knows, or, or should, have, should, should at know. this point, it's not all about innovation. Themes matter. Price matters. They've got uh, the worst themes. Barriers. Celts is the, the shittiest theme since... Maybe Oktoberfest. It's not any worse than Lexi Lightspeed as a theme. I would argue it is. I don't. I don't. Because Celts is at least based on what the Scottish games. So there's something. Yeah, there. but there's not really a story there like there is with Lexi Lightspeed. I caber think toss. That's the story. It's yeah, the story of a yeah. caber that got tossed. No. And I, I Caleb the caber. They know. I'm. Toss me. <laughs> I'm really. I cannot make the distance that you got to toss me. So I just think that they are going to be very, very, very dangerous if they get a license. Hmm. More so than dangerous. Interesting. Yes, they with some of the stuff that they are doing, Dennis. I believe they can move units. They really can. Yeah, I, I don't look, and I didn't, I didn't see the video, and I'm not so, and so I haven't seen the gameplay to judge this particular game. But as we see, as we just talked about with the upcoming units on GNR, it's not just. Well, theme is a big thing. Yeah. You've got to have the theme. You've got to have the gameplay. You've got to have the layout. You've got to have the ability to produce units. Yes, there's just yes, a lot yes, yes, that would really have to come together for it to truly be dangerous. And the gameplay wasn't, I'm going to be honest, it wasn't spectacular. It, it, it's a couple of orbits. It didn't do much for me. There's a lot of code. Hmm. A lot of code in there for the layout. <laughs> I mean, that. Yeah, well, I mean, while we disagree on this, that's when my, I felt there was this very strong attempt by Jersey Jack to save Hobbit with code, but I just think it can't overcome the layout fully. It helps. It helps a lot, but there's only so much code can do. When are you going to realize you're wrong? I don't know. Maybe, maybe next week. I hope you're old and gray rocking on your rocking chair. I've long passed because I've got so many bad habits that I'm going to die of a heart attack by 40, 45, but you're rocking and you're sipping your herbal green tea and you're like, Dagnabbit, my son of a bitch was right. Hobbit is a good game. I would immediately die after. <laughs> I would come back from the dead and hold you as you take your last breath. If they can get a theme and a design. <laughs> what am I saying? If they can get a great theme and a great design and good rule set. Yeah, like, if they can have everything okay. right, they'll be great. I say, yeah. 
fascinating. What a, or as, as you would usually say, what a what a hard take you've had there. Well, but I think it was it's pretty wild to think that Celts could sell more than Multimorphic has sold in the last five years. I don't know how many. Let's compare it to something we have numbers with. How do you think it will sell versus TNA, which we know sold five fifty? Well, we know Haggis is. We know that Celts is limited to two hundred. So. But again, it's a Celts. It's kind of a nothing theme. TNA was an original theme. No, no. Single level versus single level. Not not even price points aren't too far apart. I don't think. No, they're Uh, close. They're not going to be sought out as much TNA. No way. Okay. Sounds like you mentioned the rules on Celts looked pretty deep. TNA's rules are very straightforward, fairly simplistic rule set. Yeah, but it's an engaging, addictive rule set. Well, it's got the light show, it's got the sound, yeah. and the layout is pretty unique on and it's TNA. got the Denise story. Yeah. I don't, again, I don't think most people buy the games over some designer story. And again, what I'm pitching is that there is a, a surface-level awareness that people have that think that they don't buy stuff because of certain reasons, but there's a subconscious reason that people do what they do, and it is in there. Uh... Okay, I. It seems like a reach. I think people either have played it and liked it, or they look at it and that something about the game. I'm not makes saying it's predominant. So yeah, not, I can't argue with the I, reach yeah, argument, this, but yeah, like a cool add-on. But I don't even know if it if it warrants enough to say that it's actually a variable in the purchase decision. So that's my that's my struggle. That it's neat. The Scott Denisi story is neat. Is neat, but like. I never bought the game because it was a neat story. And you know what? I don't buy Doritos because all these superstars are eating them. But they continue throwing them into commercials for a reason. Yeah. It's like a subliminal kind of thing. Hmm. I don't know. Well, maybe some. I mean, but there may maybe there are some people that buy Doritos because what Kevin Durant eats them. Does he eat them? Look at you. I don't know. See? I don't know who eats. I'm trying to remember a celebrity works. eating Doritos. I'm going to keep doing Sam that. Sam L. Jackson maybe ate a Dorito. Pinball Park Dress. Just randomly insert a bye, bye, bye. The difference is Doritos are cheap. So it um, a buying an impulse buy or a buy because you saw an ad isn't, you know, it's, not, it's nothing. It's not a big deal. I don't know. It's all relative. Third world countries are like, oh God, you spend that much. Re- for relativity, Doritos? you're right, but it only goes so far. I've never, I, I have not met a rich person who treated pinball machines like they were bags of Doritos. I'll introduce you to some people. <laughs> come one, come all, come for what's known as the most beloved segment in all of pinball podcasting. That's right. We're talking not current. We're talking. History, Dennis. We're making history. I don't think the pinball market trends is probably the most captivating, the most evidence-based pinball segment in all of podcasting. No, no, not really. How you do it now. Engaging, loving, addictive. It engages. A lot of people do like it. A lot of people love it. Maybe I should offer that if somebody does a hashtag buy 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 on there. Maybe you should ask someone to design a new pinball market trend shirt if you love it so much. I'm working on it, Dennis. I'm teaching myself Illustrator right now. We've been doing this podcast for like half a fucking year. Look. What the hell? I don't go to college for this stuff. No one goes to college for t-shirt design. No, but to work with Illustrator? Damn, I don't layers and masks. (laughs) Come on. I don't have to use Illustrator. What do I use? You're going to have vectors? What am I supposed to use, GIMP? No. Really couldn't understand that program. Damn. And have you not worked with artists? You have. They're fi- they're fickle. 
Speaking of pickles, the artist is fickle. Try dealing with an artist. Fuck. Yes, I've, I've had my struggles. Jeez, man. As you know very well. I feel like I'm in, every time I'm talking to an artist, no offense, people, but I, it's like I'm in the fucking saw room. Like, who's going to saw their leg off first to get out of this son of a bitch? God. I want to play a little game with you, Zach. <laughs> I need you to commission me for, for a t-shirt, God. and then I'll put you off for a year. I can't guarantee you a deadline. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just, oh, I, oh, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to complain. But I tell you, I am a very deadline-driven person. Yes. It drives me crazy to have people not adhere to deadlines. I'm just like, just follow a deadline. That's and, why we plan. Yeah, some of them think I'm they're a, worth. I'm gold. a planner, Zach. I'm Man, a planner. They're worth gold. Like, oh, you want a fonted quote on a T-shirt? Twelve hundred dollars. What? <laughs> You didn't even create the what, font. What's the what's the highest on any artist discussion with t-shirts? What's the highest you've ever been quoted? I've been their, quoted so time? high that they said it's best for them not to tell me how mm. much it is. Oh wow. Yes. I'll tell you mine. The highest I have ever been told was three thousand. I it doesn't surprise me. It just depends on how interested and, it is. And I don't it, think I would have had exclusive use. For the most part, I've been told about Seven hundred fifty to a thousand dollars for a des- for a design. I've been told by I've been told by a couple five hundred uh, if they're allowed to use the art elsewhere. Yeah, see, Brian Allen's got a lot of stipulation. He's a pricey guy. He's great work, but he is in this public knowledge. He's pricey. You can use something that he's already used before and just kind of template it toward pinball. That's cheaper than an original design. But even at yeah, the original that. design, you have to buy the rights to to create that and to use that to own that. IP. And, and I'm not surprised they charge more if you want exclusivity. I totally get that. Yeah. I think Holderman's the same way. He's a, he is a pricey little devil, too. Hmm. So anyway, for those uh, interested in getting your own t-shirts, here's some dollar ranges for you to have a sense about. Ugh. Because, yeah, I mean, that's my experience. Or you well. can just do- design them yourself and throw them on uh, And never get them out. A lot of people do that. You could do it the, the TPS way. Damn it. I don't, I don't do mediocre. Here. You, could do, you could do a contest and then shit on all over everyone's submission they weren't good enough what do you want from me dennis turning up this week is adam's family i i don't know how you guys are the ones that create these uh statistics for me i just report the facts the adam's family is now like a seven thousand dollar pinball machine i don't know how the nicer examples are up towards eight thousand what is this indiana jones the pinball adventure no it's not it's far from it it's about a fourth of the game that indiana jones is but you guys for some reason still have to have this damn game in your collection simple snore bore fest to me but numbers don't lie i only report the facts and that's why i'm also reporting trading out this week is medieval madness have they not made enough of those dennis i guess not son of royal editions are out Royals are out. Specialists out. i still getting hit up for, hey, you got any those medieval madnesses? They're scratching their necks and shit. Mm. Like, I don't oh, have I them. I know that meme. Damn. I've got the accessories. I got them. I got the topper kits, RGB lighting kits. I got the extended display kit. I don't have medieval madnesses. I thought they were saturated at this point. Nope. The damn things are still going for 8000 for like a standard used. That's new in box prices, people. Shit. Conversely, though, training down this week is attack from Mars. Oh, no. How? The market is fickle. Like pinball in general. Fickle, fickle thing. Because for my money, attack from Mars is cheaper, and it 
may be a better game than Medieval Madness, but Attack it is. from Mars is... Rules-wise, it is a better game. Right? I even like the yeah. geometry better, I believe. But the attack, I do, too. The Attack from Mars is down price-wise on the secondary market. Hmm. There's inventory of them. I, I just don't get it. But again, I'm merely a conduit to the information out there in pinball numbers. That's all. I'm just here to serve you all. Also trending down this week is assuming that everybody relies on This Week in Pinball for podcasting news. Seems a little silly for me to bring up, but I've heard a couple times this week people thanking Jeff for This Week in Pinball, which that should be done. He does a lot of work. But them following that up with every podcaster uses TWIP for their, their news and their, their material. Sell, sell, sell! Oh, uh, yeah, I've heard. I Yeah, no. I, I've heard that on a few podcasts. That's actually not. That's actually not correct. No, it's not. I we worked damn hard to get information and uh, and to drum up some some news every week. And I don't rely on Twip for anything. I do sometimes uh, for EGP, uh, and when I do, I cite it. I put a link in the show notes. Of when I, I use them for some news, and I use other things for other news. You cite it. I'm appreciative do, but... to anyone that's putting out news and gathering it. But uh, yeah, it's a little weird to see people make blanket statements, yeah. thinking that it's fine if they do. I'm, well, I'm fine and, with it. And that's probably do. where it comes from, is that they like to rely on one source for... Uh, and it is a good aggregation, so I can see the attraction to it. I remember when it came out, Tony and I initially... I think for us on EGP, the issue was just we were kind of, quite frankly, <laughs> just set in our ways with mm-hmm. how we would usually pull from a hot you know, hot topic forum discussion from Pennside and what was going on in the pinball enthusiast groups on Facebook. Those are generally yeah. my two primary news sources. And it's just out of habit more than anything. But Podcasters out there, if you want to do great work, if you're going to spend all this time editing, if you're going to spend all this time speaking into a microphone, the extra step is not that hard, people. Look, you've got a smartphone that's, that's a computer in your pocket at all times. When you see, hear, or read anything of interest... Jot it down. Whoa, whoa, how about it? That's all you've mm-hmm. got to do. That's all we do here. What Tony and I do is we have a we have a shared one note, and we throw our notes up in that throughout. There the, you go. The week, the two weeks, and uh, then that's what we go through. And the, ideally, when I get a chance, when I'm back home, I go in and then I put in a link, and I have a links section. Yeah. And I put in links to those new, so I can go back and find my news sources, and then I like to dump them into my show notes. So well, and I think the the reason I bring it. this up is you got to be really careful. As a media industry, if, you, if you've got a voice and you're wanting to speak, put some effort into it. And that effort, see what happens is if you only rely on one source, then every show is just going to be that one source. I would right, never. Right. I, all, I they, you all sound the same. Plus, Twip doesn't, doesn't air stuff a lot of times. There's no awareness of the, the stream on GNR Standard last week. Eric Men, you're talking about Melissa from GNR coming back. Like, you're going to miss a lot of stuff if you're just relying on one source. That's my point. Not all sources are perfect. So news organizations can't get everything. Do some work, people. Oof. That's going to ruffle feathers. That's going to ruffle feathers. Don't give a fuck. That was my ruffled feathers. Don't give a fuck song. Do you like that? It was original. Let's kick it over to your deal of the motherfucking week. Bye, bye, bye. Deal of the week this week is a Deadpool premium that can be found on Pinside, San Antonio, Texas. Pew, pew, go Tar Heels. Them sons of bitches down there have the best priced pins because we continue to showcase deals of the week out of Texas. A uh, Pinsider by the name of Alamo underscore pin is selling a Deadpool premium, $65.50. Bye, bye, bye. That price is good, y'all. Less than 600 plays. That is a good price for a stock 
uh, Deadpool Premium. The reason it makes it a deal of the week, you can't get these games. They just don't make them. They ran it once. I'm telling you right now, if you want a Deadpool Premium, this is the one to get. You can keep calling me. I can keep you putting you on a pre-order list, but they're not running the damn things for the uh, rest of 2020, so you're not going to see them for quite some time. And let's kick it over to the sub-segment of the Pinball Show's Pinball Market Trends and a little sub-segment we call Deals of the... Would you just shut up, man? It's Deals of the What the Fuck, everybody, and the deal of the WTF this week is an attack from Mars right outside of Las Vegas. We are That wasn't really singing, right? Or a character impersonation. Yeah. yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah. We don't need to do it again, though. You don't even let me finish the chorus, the hook? No. Pinball <laughs> Dude 1 is the Pinsider out of Las Vegas, Nevada. He is selling an attack from Mars. Get this, Dennis. You want to know how special this thing is? It's called the Special Edition, and it's still new in the box. That's pretty special. Look, here's the description, and I want you guys to have your phones ready because you're about to call this guy. Bye, bye, bye! Last run. Last chance to get one in the box. Bye, bye, bye. It's impossible to find, and it's sold out everywhere. Bye, bye, bye. Chicago has no plans to run any more of these. Bye, bye, bye. Hate to let her go, as you will never see it again. Brand new in the box. Bye, bye, bye. We'll handle all shipping arrangements for you and all hassles. Free pickup, or I'll even throw another $350 shipping to your door. Guess what the price is, Dennis, of this rare, never-before-seen, never-seen-again pinball machine? Uh, $9,000. $9,200. I was close. Deal of the... What the... Literal fuck! Sell, sell, sell! $9,200. Ladies and gentlemen, I have six in stock right now for $73. Did this man have a stroke? What is going on? Why even waste your time submitting this onto Pinside? People, people, people. And my apologies if your feathers are fully ruffled, but get over it. That's what we do here on the Pinball Show. Only reporting the facts. <laughs> Numbers don't lie. Pinball Market Trends! Dennis Graysel, are your feathers hmm. ruffled yet? No. I thought this was a fairly calm episode. Really? For me, deals of the dentist. What the? Let's close out the show, Dennis. Where can people catch you? You can always email eclecticgamerspodcast.gmail.com or go to facebook.com slash eclecticgamerspodcast and send a message through that. Those are the best ways to reach out to me. And buy a t-shirt, people. Tight asses. Come on. Don't don't have to buy a t-shirt. Maybe someday when I put out a new t-shirt design, if I can find an artist and get a deadline. You can reach me at straight down the middle of a pinball video series on YouTube. Email me there at sdtmpinball at gmail.com or buy a new brand new pinball machine uh, for 2000 less than some of the listed prices for new inbox on Pinside. You can mm. reach out to us for any interested lists as well for toppers, accessories, etc., etc., uh, including the upcoming Stern pinball machine. What do you have in stock right now? Ooh. We got a lot in stock. We got uh, we're stocking up for the holiday season. We've got Deadpool's. How about it? We got Avengers. How about it? One left. Star Wars comic pro. Not going to run that again for the rest of the year. Elvira's are hard to find right now, so we don't have any of those. But we have Star Wars toppers. We have a new topper coming in. I think the next two weeks. I've been told. Attack from Mars. Boom. In stock. Hot Wheels. I think we got one left. So we have an abundance of. 
of pinball machines right now. Avengers Pros, those things are still training up. Got those in stock. And banners. We have dim banners. So mm. contact me, 812-457-9711, or text uh, for a quicker reply, or email me at Zach, Z-A-C-H, at flip the letter in, out, pinball.com. Shout out to my wife for being such a damn lovely and beautiful and sexy business partner. You catch us on Twitch and Facebook. Follow us everywhere there. Special and huge shout out to the TPN streamers. Uh, they've been doing a really fun job. Did you see the Fliptronic where they green screen the damn Angus face, and all of our personalities uh, and faces were yes. up on ACDC Pro? It was clever. Yeah, fantastic work over there, everybody. I had someone message me like at 1130 at night when <laughs> I guess my face was up on it. And it just, all it did was it was a screenshot and they just said, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> and you were like, As I, I think I sighed because that's uh, what I usually do. It was so fun. So good. I think we got a final round pinball podcast coming up this week. I miss those mm-hmm. guys already. And uh, Josh Jacobs concluded his horror fest uh, every Saturday. That was a lot of fun. The last story was really intriguing. He had a lot of good ideas. Yep. For I have to, I'm hoping I can play it later today. I downloaded it last night, but I haven't had a chance to see yeah, it. He just randomly made up three pinball themes for just the basis of his story that he told. And they were really good themes. Hmm. <laughs> cool really good stuff. So special shout out to all of those individuals. Um, we're adding another podcast here soon and a couple mm-hmm. more streamers here soon. And you and I have got to get off of this so that we can go work on another project that you and I are undertaking. Yep. Yep. Time waits for no one. <sighs> for Dennis Creasel, I am always going to be Zachary Many. Catch you on the flip <laughs> side. You're getting better at these outros than I am shit. Always practice safe pinball. So long, everybody. Up. So long, everybody. <laughs> See what I did there? So long, everybody, is my outro. And then I- Mm-hmm. Yeah, clever. Hi, and welcome to this week's special Halloween edition SHIT update with Dr. John. News of the week was the Haggis stream, which occurred on the 31st of October, with a comprehensive gameplay reveal on Melbourne Silver Ball League with the infamous Martin Robbins and Ryan C. This is the first time the game's been revealed as production number zero. Got tested by the lads with Damien answering questions on stream about the game. I asked him some questions afterwards all about the stream and how it went. There we go. We want to welcome Damien to the Pinball Show after his epic weekend of streaming during Halloween to show off Kelt's final production game, production game number zero, I understand. Is that right, Damien? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Thanks for having me, Dr. John. Yeah, production game number zero, or probably more accurately, the production validation machine. Oh, that's a very technical term. I think I, I think I stole that from Stan. <laughs> <laughs> well, you didn't steal much else. There's lots of innovation in the game. How nervous were you yep. before the stream? Or were you pretty confident everything was going to stand up to the rigours of Marty Ryan and Dr. Curly Tech? <laughs> no, no, we were pretty good. There was, as always, a few last-minute tweaks and things that we were just sorting out. But it was really prior to it. It was just going through and making sure all my switch adjustments were right and and things like that. No, and it was good. It held up. There was no issues um, for the entire stream as we expected. So, no, we were very happy with that. Yeah, I've often seen reveals where 
they do discover things for the machine that uh, don't do it unless you're streaming live. I think every manufacturer has had that. So it was uh, very refreshing to see a first off and Marty's excellent, excellent stream coverage. Um, the only hiccup that I really saw was the disappearing lockdown bar, which happens when you use a green lockdown bar in front of a green screen. <laughs> yeah that was it was that was funny i even double took on that before i realized oh yeah it's green that, that was we we all thought that was quite funny actually <laughs> that was that was quite clever i think yeah i think i think it got coined in Vizzy bar or something in, in the middle of the stream <laughs> um so you mentioned on the stream uh about 20 machines already sold of the 200 yep. maximum uh, many nibbles during the live stream from around the world. Yeah, we got off the stream and shortly thereafter we had five machines sold. So I'm up at around 25 now. How much more development do you think has to go into the game uh, as far as code-wise? Are you pretty happy that it's at 1.0? You were talking about some more call-outs going in, but as far as modes and wizard modes and multi-balls, is pretty much everything there so far? Yeah, look, it's it's super mature. They're probably the only thing that will still wants to be fleshed out by Greg, who's doing the programming and the um, that code rule side of things. Is the Lady of the Lake Wizard mode? So he's he's got it, um, and we have a plan and a path to what it's going to be. It just needs to be executed now. So um, apart from that, everything else is pretty much done. The one thing that people wouldn't have picked up on, which I picked up on, and it's the first thing I fell in love with with the game, is the music. We all heard there's a ton of music, all all original, but with the speaker system and the sound system you've got, when those bagpipes are blaring out, it's it's pretty magical. It sounds great. Oh, yeah. Look, Casey Dean, who is our musical director, he, I mean, he's a local Melbourne artist and he is just, in his own right, a phenomenal um, artist and he has composed and recorded and mixed and mastered every single track on that game in conjunction obviously with the rest of the team and Greg um, and he's just done an amazing job so yeah the music is it's all original it sounds fantastic we have that custom sound system with a uh, specifically designed ported subwoofer to fit inside of the cabinet um, and still manage all the space in there and it just it sounds it sounds great so we would agree I would agree that the music and the way that he's, he's composed it and, and mastered it all along with that sound system is is phenomenal. The um, Celts Clan, do you want to remind people about the Celts Clan again? Absolutely. So for anybody that wants to support us and, and get on board with Haggis Pinball but might not be in the position to buy a pinball machine just now, we would welcome and encourage you all to become members of Clan Haggis. What that does is it gives you a great big bag of swag um, that we will ship to you. So, you know, T-shirts, caps, stubby holders and key rings and a whole bunch of little things. And not only that, but it will give you then priority access to some of the things that we have cooking in the background for uh, plan to come to fruition in uh, through throughout 2021 and even into 2022. So that Plan Haggis pack, you can buy yeah. it from our website. It's $100 Australian. That includes free shipping. And uh, as the pack was originally designed to accompany us to Texas back in March, it, it includes the 2021 medallions and pins, but we, it will logically, and we have included it now to uh, also take in 2021. Nice. And what's the website again? So it's haggispinball.com. Pretty simple. Playfield stood up. The uh, not-so-controversial but much-anticipated <laughs> Playfield stood up well to everything. Yeah, and look, and I made a, I made a point of – 
talking to Ryan. I think we caught a bit of that conversation on the stream, but also to, you know, to Stacey and to Axel and, and people that probably haven't played it at all or haven't played it since we were had it in prototype stage just just to ask them that question like you know if you if you hadn't if you didn't know or if it was up against one of your other machines would you have come to it and thought gee that's that feels a bit odd and it was an all uniform no not at all it's it's like every other pinball machine um it's just plays very true plays nice and quick and you know the beauty of it is is that it will remain like that arguably um, you know, for the next 20, 30, 40, however many years you own it, assuming you don't, you know, take to it with a screwdriver. And a question often asked, replacement parts, mostly off the shelf apart from some custom sculpts. So if you buy the game in the US and you lose a flipper mech, can they easily replace it? Yes, absolutely. So the control board set is multimorphic, so that's already an industry standard. All the mechs um, are based on, again, industry standard consumables, so your coils and your sleeves and your rubbers and your springs, they're all standard. Um, we obviously have designed mechs to suit our playfield for what we need, the same way all the manufacturers do. But no, you're absolutely right. Um, I'm also starting to set up our spare parts store, so we will support um, and have a full range of spare parts for all the games that we produce. But to answer your question, absolutely, they'd be able to source locally if needed. And you got a European distributor, you were saying? We do. We are just finalising some of the ins and outs of that. But Stefan Reidler from RS Pinball in Austria, um, he's coming on board, has some great interest, and uh, he's very keen to do some business with us to get some machines over there into Europe. So uh, that'll flesh out over the next sort of couple of weeks and months. And we will uh, be putting together a number of machines to, to send over to him in the very near future as well. So that's that's great. Build time, someone orders tomorrow, how long till they get their game? So so the typical build time is around six weeks at the moment with the number of orders we have and, and the forecasting we're doing. It's probably, if you ordered one now, we'd be aiming for late December, early January. Um, there's obviously a few variables involved with things as, as with transport and, and all those sorts of daily propositions in a, in a COVID world is. But uh, yeah, that's where we're at now, late December, early January for any orders that are placed now. 200 games. So how many per week can you churn out? Yeah, we're still working through some of those uh, those feasibilities and, and we're already starting to grow the team and, and work through that uh, scalability that we, we need to employ. Right. So you'll have more on the assembly line than just Damien 24 hours a day with a heavy screwdriver. Yes, correct. So we're still sort of realizing exactly what that looks at but i'm working in batches of 10 games at a time at the moment and so again i expect that those each run of 10 games is somewhere between sort of the four to six week period so as to service the current orders that we have now is what's now blowing me out sort of to january because that's now sort of incorporating more the six to ten week period to get through those two batches of 10 so at the moment yeah that would what would that equate to approximately five a week, a bit under, maybe four a week. Very good. And you're yeah. saying on stream, concentrating on building at the moment, but there's already a couple of new uh, Haggis titles in the pipeline? Yeah, there is. There's, there's one that's already, well, it's been in development for probably a good few months, maybe even up to six months now. Um, that's something that we're looking to bring to market in early 2022. We're in 20 now, aren't we? Yeah, so early 2022. Uh, but we've got a couple of other things up our sleeve that we're hoping to realise in 2021. So um, we will just let that play out for the moment. Good. So the company will be around for quite a while yet. That is certainly the plan. Yeah. If you haven't been able to get rid of me so far, um, I reckon I'm here for good. Great. All right. Thanks a lot for your time, Damien, and good luck with the builds. Thanks, Dr. John. 
And in spooky news, Charlie put a Facebook post up that in memory of Halloween this year, there will be a soon-to-be-released code for Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle, plus a new zombie zombie code is already up. And a week or so ago, Scott released the new TNA code. So everyone's still hard at work at Spooky, developing further code for their already well-flushed-out games. Well, that's it for this week. Hope you enjoyed the cult stream if you saw it. If not, it's on video on demand on the Melbourne Silver Ball League channel on Twitch. Catch you next week. Bright light said it gonna set my soul, gonna set my soul on fire. Got a whole lot of money that's ready to burn, so get those stakes up higher. There's a thousand pretty women waiting out there They're all living the devil may care And I'm just a devil with love to spare So Viva Las Vegas Viva Las Vegas How I wish that there were more than the 24 hours in the day